He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There's some words in Christianity that we use a lot, but we don't often know what they mean. Vouchsafe, concupiscence, oblation. Uh, I have a priest friend who is arguing with his parishioners about using the King James Bible. And I like the King James, but he did not. And his people were like, oh, but it's not that hard to understand. And he said to them, well, then you tell me, what exactly is a firkin? This word firkin shows up at uh, the passage of the wedding feast at Cana. It's a liquid uh, measurement of water, nine, nine gallons. Anyway, sometimes the difficult to understand words aren't the most obscure ones, but the ones that we use often but never think of what they actually mean. And so today I'd like to draw your attention to the word hope. This is one of the three so-called theological virtues, one of the supernatural virtues, which is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And even though faith exists, or hope exists alongside faith and love, yet hope gets very little airtime. I would like to point out from today's epistle how hope is the link between faith and love. Hope is in the middle of this triumvirate of virtues because it's the mediator between faith and love. Hope is what takes our faith and gives it purpose, translating faith into love. Kierkegaard defined hope as passion for the possible. We'll first look at what faith reveals to be our possibility and then talk about how hope uh, can turn that faith into a passion, the passion of love. So at the beginning of our passage, Paul refers to our shared faith when he says that we have a fellowship in the gospel. A fellowship, a kind of unity that we have together in the good news. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and that his resurrection has given us a new life, which culminates in the enjoyment of God in heaven. He hath opened heaven's door, as the Christmas carol puts it. So what I mean to say is that our faith reveals to us an end goal, the goal of heaven, and that this goal is actually possible for you. Although we're sinful, broken human beings, yet God desires a relationship with us and calls us to an enjoyment of him in paradise. And we can deepen our ability to enjoy him even now. So our faith is not uh, just in something, uh, in a salvation which is in the past, but also a salvation which is in the future, when we're ultimately delivered from death on the last day. So for this reason, the scriptures tell us that we are saved in hope. So this hope of heaven is a possibility for us. It's not a done deal, but it's also not a fool's errand. If you think about it, no, nobody hopes for what is impossible. Like, we don't hope that the Detroit Lions would make it to the Super Bowl this season. You know? <laughs> On the other hand, uh, we don't hope for things that are already accomplished. So we don't hope that we'd have gotten up this morning because it's already been done. So just the fact that the scriptures exhort us to hope shows that salvation is not an impossibility, but also that it's not a done deal. And so it's neither time to give up, nor is it time to just prop up our feet. We're on a journey, we're on a race, and we're called to persevere toward the goal. And we're on a pilgrimage and are called to a promised land. But how are we to get there? How are we to make it to the finish line or to enter into Canaan? Hope shows us that it is possible, and hope holds a vision of the prize before our eyes, but how are we to run toward it? By love. Love is what gives us travelers legs to move. 
Paul tells the Galatians that what profits them is faith working through love. Love is how we press on toward our goal. Therefore, in our epistle, St. Paul says, This I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. This abounding that he prays for in our lives is an abounding in love. Now, love, like faith and hope, is a habit, which means that it's cultivated through practice, through trying and trying again, through repeated effort. So I'm making the case that love is how we run the race. Love is how we press on toward the promised land. And so love is like walking. And how did we first learn to walk? By taking it step by step, by putting one foot in front of the other. Have you ever watched a baby learn, learn how to walk? Well, that's how we learn to love. We, we may often stumble and fall, but God gives us the grace to get up again and take another step. Perhaps it's learning to love God through daily acts of prayer, or learning to love a difficult relative or friend or spouse. But when we stumble, like the persistent toddler, we hobble onto our feet and try again, a little step here and a little step there, small acts of love, which the Bible says cover a multitude of sins. And what is our motivation in these beginning stages of the spiritual life? What motivates us to get up when we fall and to try again? The virtue of hope. And if you think about it, a kid sort of embodies this virtue when he looks up at his parents, sees them walking, and thinks, maybe I can do that. People tell us to keep our eyes on the prize. And by looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we'll see where he leads on ahead of us so that we might follow in his steps. So by taking it step by step, we deepen this habit of love. And before we know it, we begin to even be able to run. Just as the apostle says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So hope, you see, is the motivation. Hope is what motivated Jacob to labor 14 years for Laban's daughter, Rachel. Faith tells us that there is a heaven which is possible for us, and heaven takes that belief, and hope, faith takes that belief and says, this is possible for me. I will race on toward that goal. And therefore, hope links faith to love, motivating us to put others ahead of ourselves. Therefore, St. Paul says in another epistle, this is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God. And I have good news for you. This hope of yours is also the hope of God for you and the hope of all the saints. There's this great cloud of witnesses cheering you on in this race and interceding before God on your behalf. And on God's part, he loves you as his son or daughter. And he pours his grace out on you abundantly to enable you to love supernaturally with the kind of grace that can never be exhausted. So it's with great confidence that in today's reading, St. Paul can write, I am confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God will give you the grace to abound in love more and more, as St. Paul puts it. So, hope is passion for the possible. Maybe you'll be able to remember what a firkin is, but I hope that you can remember that hope is passion for the possible, and that you'll remember this when you meet with despair. For sometimes when we look at ourselves, we see our besetting sins and think, I must be totally irredeemable. Or when we look at the world, we think, oh, things are falling apart. But hope reminds us that our redemption is possible and is taking place, and that God has plans to renew the earth. For hope looks to the Lord, who says to us, Take courage, for I have overcome the world. 
and that despite our sins, we are his beloved. Christ is making all things new, and with God, all things are possible. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.